This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey everyone, welcome to Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly. Today we have the latest installment in our ongoing Green Blogger series of interviews where we talk to the world's top environmental bloggers. Today I'll be talking with Rob Reed. Rob is the visionary behind Max Gladwell at www.maxgladwell.com, a leading independent blog that covers the nexus of social media and green living. Max Gladwell isn't a person, but rather an ideal and a worldview. It represents the belief that our social and environmental problems are solvable that entrepreneurs will lead the way to those solutions, and that social media will play a central role. Through the Max Gladwell brand, Reed provides strategic and tactical marketing services to companies seeking to utilize social media to connect with their customers, specifically those with a green message. Recent posts on the Max Gladwell site include Happy New Year, a Max Gladwell retrospective, and On the Distinction Between Sustainable Systems and Green. Well, Rob, welcome to the program. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you, and this is a great opportunity, I think, for everyone out there who uh, are fans of you and of the site to get to know you a little bit better, uh, and also for people, I think, that are either uh, bloggers, whether environmental or not, or involved in social media, sort of understand what you've done there uh, with the site. So let's start, though, I think, with the question I'll bet you get the most, which is about the name of the site. It's kind of a curious choice. Uh, why Max Gladwell and not Rob Reed? Well, the uh, inspiration for starting the blog really uh, came from the novel Atlas Shrugged. It's uh, something, uh, it's a, one of my favorite novels. Uh, I'm a huge fan of it and, and the objectivist philosophy, if, um, if, if you've read um, Ayn Rand or Ayn Rand. Uh, in particular, the, uh, the central hero of the novel, his name is John Galt, and uh, he's very much a mythic character. I mean, the first line of the book is, who is John Galt? And that kind of uh, continues. So I really uh, was inspired by that and wanted to create a, um, you know, a a character and and an ideal um, rather than uh, just simply a a name or a brand. So so how has that worked out? I mean, has it caused confusion? Has it uh, resonated with readers of the blog? No, it really, it really has. I mean, it's, what I actually tried to do was for it to not be an extension of myself um, and to separate myself from this, this brand, you know, and I was just kind of driving it and, you know, trying to create something that was, you know, much bigger than me because, you know, the, the main topics of social media and green living are just so huge. Um, and the other kind of connection there is that, you know, not to spoil the ending. If, if you haven't read the novel, uh, I'm about to give it away a bit here, but, uh, spoiler uh, alert, <laughs> spoiler alert. Fast forward um, now. I've gotten that a few times in the comments when I've talked about the novel, but, but Galt develops a motor, um, that runs on static electricity. 
And uh, so I thought it was really amazing uh, that um, he was essentially in clean tech. And this this book was written, you know, half a century ago. Um, and it was just purely out of his his uh, entrepreneurial and innovative um, aspirations that he created this. And I don't even think anybody realized at the time what it was. So there's a, a certain relevance there. I'm curious to hear about both your story and about the editorial on the site. So let, let's start with you, first of all. Going back before Max Gladwell, what was your background? What led you to where you are now uh, with social media and blogging in the environmental movement? Well, my personal uh, background is in journalism, marketing, and entrepreneurship, uh, those three main areas. And um, so I initially did a lot of writing and uh, magazine editing in the action sports and travel world, mostly um, cycling and snowboarding. And then uh, after I wrote, I wrote a book on the history of snowboarding. Really? It was published. Yeah, it's called The Way of the Snowboarder. And that was published in 2005. And at that point, I, I made a pretty big career change and went to work for a company called Earth Biofuels. And uh, it was essentially a startup company. And um, they produced biodiesel fuel, uh, in particular, the BioWilly brand, which was uh, backed uh, and associated with Willie Nelson. And so that's really where I got my kind of legs in, in sustainability and alternative fuels and um, really got got in deep in that. And, and that's also when I, you know, reread Atlas Shrugged. So all those things kind of came together. I see. And I understand you also worked with Julia Roberts at, at some point too. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, with the, with the biodiesel uh, being a very clean burning fuel compared to petroleum diesel, you know, what we've, you know, since realized um, is that it's not necessarily a sustainable fuel um, if you're getting it from soy and, and some other uh, crops. I mean, recycled oil is, is a sustainable way to go, um, but there's a very limited supply of that. Mm -hmm. um, but regardless of where it comes from, um, the, uh, the emissions from it are much, you know, are infinitely less toxic than the petroleum. And so we did a, an awareness campaign called Citizen School Bus to try to broaden awareness about the, um, the toxicity of America's school buses uh, that are running on diesel. I see. And so what about the, the sort of business model behind the site that you're running now, which is Max Gladwell? Is it just purely advertiser-based? Um, are you working with organizations like the Willie Nelson biodiesel brand and, and on a more extended basis, or is it just sort of your standard advertising fare? Actually, I don't run any advertising on the site. Really, um, there's occasional uh, sponsors that are typically associated with the companies that I uh, consult for, because um, that's mainly what I do is is the consulting side. And, mm -hmm. and Max Gladwell is really a um, a vehicle for that. And and also, um, you know, I position it as a you know what I would consider a thought leadership blog. 
um, not so much a commercial blog. It's not really, um, you know, green living tips per se. It's uh, more the kind of the bigger issues. Um, the audience is really more intended uh, toward like marketers, entrepreneurs, uh, fellow bloggers. Um, so it's, you know, it doesn't really have a very broad appeal is, in that way. Is it just you blogging on the site or do you have a staff of bloggers? Yeah, it's really just me. Um, you know, I, but what can be a little confusing is that, um, the blog is always written in the, uh, first person plural. It's always we or us, um, because it's, it's meant to represent a, a, a collective voice of Max Gladwell and not just one person. And I think there's occasional guest bloggers. So what is your editorial focus when you're making decisions about what to write about? What, what are you drawing upon? Anything that sort of tickles your fancy um, or, or where you think that there isn't enough emphasis? Uh, or, or are you narrowed within a certain niche within the niche? Well, I, I mean, if I would, if I had to kind of describe it in terms of the positioning, I would say it's, it's part tech crunch and part Seth Godin, um, you know, in the, you know, specifically in the green world though. Um, so, you know, at TechCrunch, you'll see a lot of, uh, coverage of the technology world, um, as on a, on the business side of what's going on in that world. So I'll interview entrepreneurs that are doing, uh, either green companies or bloggers themselves. Um, my favorite, you know, I, I want to do more of this, but, um, it's a little, Call, uh, it's a series called Better Know a Blogger. <laughs> like Stephen Colbert reference there, yes. Exactly. Who also just uh, had the Ayn Rand connection recently. Yeah, he did. And and I, I have to admit that, that part of the, the, the Max Gladwell persona it was also inspired by Stephen Colbert. And that um, covering covering the green bloggers is, is something I uh, like to do sort of what you're doing here, I guess. Yeah. Well, there's so many ways to do it. It's, it's funny. It's, it creates an industry within itself, uh, because there's so many interesting things going on and so many interesting stories happening with different angles from the financial side, from the sort of, uh, you know, information from the masses side and all the, the, the mommy bloggers. And I mean, it just goes on and on. There's, uh, you know, and it's obviously a huge worldwide focus. So, there's a lot happening in the space, and we're certainly interested to hear this story today, and we're going to be right back. We're going to take a quick break right here, and we will be back with Rob Reed. He's the visionary behind the Max Gladwell site, which is maxgladwell.com or www.maxgladwell.com. It's a leading independent blog that covers the nexus of social media and green living, and we'll be right back on Green Talk Radio. Thanks, everyone. We're back on Green Talk Radio talking today with Rob Reed, the visionary behind Max Gladwell at maxgladwell.com. It's an environmental blog that covers both social media and green living. Rob, we were talking before the break about your background and sort of the basics of the site, what you guys cover. Um, I understand that you were just at the Web 2.0 Expo. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, I was. And I, you, I think there were some things that I heard that you were kind of excited about there. Could you, uh, would you be willing to share those with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the theme of this year's Web 2.0 Expo was the power of less. And uh, when you go to the Web 2.0 uh, Expo website, one of the images that they've had rotating there is a, is a, a windmill, a wind turbine. 
And uh, so I thought, you know, that um, really the kind of nexus of social media and green living was coming together at the Web 2.0 Expo. Um, and because, um, you know, one of the, uh, because social media and sustainability share a lot of the same DNA and a lot of the same virtues. And I think that was really what the organizers at Web 2.0 Expo were, were kind of realizing. And it's one of the topics that I, that I blog about a lot. Um, for example, you know, there's, um, you know, they, they share the, the kind of ethic of um, efficiency through innovation and decentralization. You know, with energy, for instance, we're trying to decentralize how we produce energy, um, just as we've decentralized how we produce information with social media, where we can all become information producers through blogs and wikis and Twitter. Um, so there's just, just a lot of parallels. Um, but one of the things I did, did occur to me recently, um, and I think, and I wrote about it in, in kind of the distinction between sustainability and green, that we've made this tremendous investment in our information infrastructure over the past 10, 20 years between computers, software, broadband. And what that has done is, is essentially created a sustainable information system mm -hmm. where we can all, you know, be producers and, and consumers. And uh, if we had made that same investment, I mean, we're talking trillions of dollars, you know, on a global scale here. And, you know, if we had um, made that same investment in energy, infrastructure, you know, we'd probably have a pretty, or at least a close to sustainable energy infrastructure by now. Yeah, we'd be off fossil fuels by now. Yeah. I mean, that's, we just haven't made any investment, uh, you know, or just tiny investment in, in uh, renewable or sustainable energy. Of course, you don't have the oppositional force of the oil industry opposing us with technology advancement as you do uh, with, with regards to sustainable fuels that are alternative fuels, uh, or at least in the opinion of many out there, that that's been a, a major sort of force working against us, which it does seem that we're perhaps starting to overcome now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess the, the parallel there would be, you know, the big media companies that are, and music companies, you know, that have, that it would have obviously tried to oppose peer-to-peer uh, -peer sharing and all these other things. But once you get to a certain point, you know, these, these companies just lose control. So I guess we kind of need to get to that Napster moment in energy. Yeah. You know, where all of a sudden they lose control and they're suing their customers for producing energy. You know, if you can imagine that. Yeah. Well, then the MPAA and the RIAA are still, still managed to have pretty significant lobbies. It's amazing. Uh, the power that they wield and it's not, maybe not quite the oil industry, but, uh, it's been somewhat staggering to me that the ability that they've had to, especially in the court systems, uh, continue to maintain some control. It sort of goes beyond what one might expect from from just you know one industry. Yeah, they just uh, they they refuse to embrace change. 
You had a recent post uh, that I mentioned in the intro, which was the d- distinction between sustainable systems and, and green. And that's a question that gets asked a lot. And those, those words are often used interchangeably, those being sustainable and, and green. And, and, they're, and they're not. And you talked about that. And I was curious if you would maybe share some of the information about that um, from that post with us. Uh, what, what is the difference uh, for, for people who are unaware? Well, you, you asked earlier about, you know, kind of how I come up with what I want to write about. And a lot of times it's just my, my daily experience, light bulbs go off and, you know, I get moments of, um, at least what I think are clarity. Um, and this one occurred when I was on a panel at South by Southwest called accelerating sustainability through social media. And so we're at this panel and there's real time Twitter going on. And I felt like I was there to talk about sustainability, and yet the the feedback we were getting over Twitter was what I would characterize as green. It was like, you know, how you you flew here on a plane. You know, how can you talk about sustainability? Interesting. You know, you're you're you must be a, a, either a hypocrite or or we shouldn't travel anymore. You know, if we're going to be sustainable, and um, and so the. And, and this, I guess this is really just for my purposes anyway, and, you know, people can, can disagree with it, but sustainability for me feels like an absolute. Um, either something is sustainable, which, you know, implies a certain, which implies infinite, really, um, or it's not. Um, you know, solar power, you know, can sustain itself at least infinitely for our purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to say something is, you know, more sustainable is to say it's more infinite, which, you know, isn't compatible. And, uh, but green is very much a relative term. And I think that's why we have so much trouble with it. Um, because, you know, one person's green is another person's dirty because it's completely relative. Um, you know, I think I used the example of, you know, changing your uh, incandescent light bulb to a CFL is is green, relatively speaking, because you're using less energy. Um, but if you were using a whale oil lamp and you change to an incandescent, that's also green. But neither of those uh, or, you know, driving a a Prius or, you know, all these things we consider green, which are, you know, we have to do, not saying we don't have to do them, but they're not sustainable because that that CFL is still running on coal power. So it's I think it's just kind of a way to way to look at things and kind of draw some lines in the sand, Um, you know, and that's but that's also why, you know, you know, Al Gore gets held up to so much criticism because, you know, he's trying to promote green and and all these things. And yet, you know, the guy's a major figure in on the on the global stage. You know, he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars from mostly from his Google stock. And, you know, he's got a huge carbon footprint, you know, so. Of course, you know, all of his critics can just uh, point to all that. It's one of the unfortunate things that happens and not, not just in the environmental movement, but, but anytime you sort of go out there to put it, put forth a positive message towards anything, it puts you squarely in the targets of people who are naysayers or just want to take you down. 
who are oppositional to to you and in, in your um, cause, uh, and it makes it very difficult to uh, be anything less than perfect and still have that message uh, be get out. And to me, that's very disingenuous because. You know, I think that it, it always has to do with you. You were talking about degrees, and you were talking about it in terms of green. But I think that that applies anywhere that life exists in the gray area, not in these absolutes. And to have the ex, the expectation that uh, just because somebody's putting themselves forth in the environmental movement, that they are themselves perfect, or that that is a prerequisite for going forth and delivering a message, is absolutely ridiculous. But but that's the sort of uh, news at ten uh, journalistic world we live in, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, what the, that that type of reasoning, you know, ultimately ends up with, you know, the the people living in extreme poverty are are the greenest. You know, they've got the smallest carbon footprint. They they win if that's your measure. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's not what we want. We don't want everybody living in extreme poverty. We want, you know, we don't want to keep these billions of people around the world from. Uh, coming into the middle class um, and, you know, Thomas Friedman, uh, that seems to be the, the theme of um, his last two books, you know, and his last one, Hot, Flat and Crowded is, you know, it's going to happen and there's no sense in stopping it. We're not going to return to the Stone Age. We need to innovate and, and make sure when these people enter the middle class, they're using sustainable systems, whether it's energy or agriculture or uh, information. So it seems to me, based on your term definition, that there probably are very few things that are sustainable, truly sustainable, uh, or wholly sustainable versus many things that are relative degrees of what most people would consider green. Sure. It's, it's, um, yeah, that, that would be the definition. And so, I mean, I think it's just using the right terminology, you know, we can, we can move towards sustainability, but something can't be more sustainable than something else. So that's, that's the, the key difference there. Right. Much like pregnancy, you, you, you either is or you ain't pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, or, um, I mean, another great one that we, we get, we all of us get away with it uh, on a daily basis is saying that something's very unique, uh, which is to basically say something is very one of a kind. Well, I, I know that you, Rob, like many environmental bloggers and bloggers in general, are, are really active on social media sites. You mentioned Twitter and the live Twittering that was happening at, at Web 2.0, which is a big thing now happening at a lot of conferences, is getting that live interactive feedback from people that are on these social networks. And you know, it's very cool and, and brings more people into it who, who can't be there. And I guess that is a, a, a greener thing to be able to do uh, rather than having to go to the conference. How are you using those sites like Twitter, LinkedIn, StumbleUpon, and so forth? And how much of the, the site success would you attribute to your activities on those networks? Max Gladwell just celebrated, um, you know, one year um, in existence. And so when I started the, the blog, we, uh, you know, I immediately got on Twitter and, and started building the brand on there. So this was, you know, 12 months ago, just a couple of days ago. And it was Twitter was a much different place back then um, in terms of who was on there. Um, it was really kind of um, the you know who, who I'd call influencers, um, people who typically had blogs or they were um, marketers themselves. Um, it you know it was really far from the mainstream at that time. So um, you know if you had a couple hundred followers, 
back then, it was kind of like having a couple thousand followers today um, because it kind of magnified your your reach with those people. And uh, I definitely attribute that um, to the success um, early on in, in gaining traction because, you know, we had this, it was a very small, tight-knit group. So what's next for Rob Reed and Max Gladwell in 2009? The main client that I have right now is a company called Zoombox, Z-U-M-B-O-X. So that's that's been a big focus of mine uh, lately. That's a fascinating concept. Actually, I'm curious. Uh, we didn't talk about this before the show. This is uh, this is live and spontaneous. But t- talk about, if you wouldn't mind, what the Zoombox uh, concept is, because I found that rather fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's really been... Um, uh, in addition to being a client, the whole concept has been really inspiring um, for me. And I've written a couple posts um, that have you know really been inspired by this concept. And what it is is a is a, a digital um, mail system that's completely online. And so what Zoombox has done is created a, a digital mailbox for every street address in the U.S. Um, and what that does is it enables people, companies, organizations to send digital mail, you know, what was originally sent as paper to the same address, uh, digitally. And so the sen- the senders have to be signed up for this system as well, obviously in order to, to do it. I mean, if they're sending paper, you can't stop that, but if they're sort of opted in, it gives them another avenue, a, a digital and, and green avenue to, by which to send uh, the mail to the recipients. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a closed system. So, um, I mean, that's really one of the problems with email is that it's such a open system and, uh, which is why we get so much spam and, you know, why our, our inboxes are, are kind of overrun, um, with systems like Facebook and Twitter and now Zoombox. You know, these are closed systems and there's a, because of that, there's an accountability uh, factor. Mm-hmm. So if somebody sends you um, mail via Zoombox, you know exactly where it came from and you can block that sender from ever sending you mail again. So you have better controls within the system itself to eliminate unwanted uh, or unsolicited mail. Yes, absolutely. And, and when you get your mail, it's also pre-sorted. Um, so, you know, anybody basically that who's listening can go to zoombox.com, enter their street address and they've already got mail in there. And that amount of mail is going to increase over time as more senders start using it because, um, you don't, you don't need to be signed up and have your Zoombox in order for mail to get to your Zoombox because it already exists. And, uh, specifically in, uh, certain areas, you know, where it's being adopted, such as um, uh, the town of New Lenox, Illinois, for example, the the mayor is already sending out letters there, and local businesses are sending out um, information to all the re- residents of New Lenox, despite the fact that only um, somewhere between ten and twenty percent of the residents have actually signed up and and claimed their Zoom box. And, and Zoombox, just to clarify too, because I don't think it's obvious from the, the pronunciation, is is z u m b o x dot com. Is that correct? That's right. And uh, 
With Max Gladwell, we celebrated the Max Gladwell New Year um, as opposed to the anniversary because uh, I just felt like Max Gladwell deserved its own calendar. And um, but also when uh, you know the 2008 calendar year closed, uh, you know I looked back and and thought about writing a, a recap and, and looking forward, and it just didn't really feel like it was complete because. Max Gladwell didn't get going until April. So, um, yeah, I think it's just going to be, you know, more the same. And uh, it took a little while to kind of figure out what Max Gladwell was about. But uh, I've got a really good good idea now. And just keep going. Right. Well, we, we certainly wish you much continued success with the site and with your career. And I uh, want to thank you for being on the program today. Thanks, Sean. Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.